Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hell. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Today is Westminster Wednesday, and so we're breaking from our study on the book of Galatians and diving into the Westminster Confession that we have been uh, bit by bit, ever so slowly working our way through. We've come to chapter 5, paragraph 2. Chapter 5 deals with the providence of God, and we are looking this morning at, you're continuing to look this morning at this doctrine of God's providence and exactly what that means and how that plays out. So let me pray for us, and then I'll read paragraph 2 of the Confession, chapter 5, and then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would continue to strengthen us that we might understand your word. We thank you that you have sent before us faithful men and women who have said wonderful things and summarized your word and taught us your word. We thank you for documents like the Confession of Faith that faithfully summarizes what Scripture teaches. And we ask that as we look at it this morning, you would strengthen us, that we might better understand who you are, how you work, and how it is that you govern your creation, including ourselves. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. What we're up to, as I said, chapter 5 on providence, and we're looking at paragraph 2, which says this, Although, in relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, the first cause, all things come to pass immutably and infallibly, yet by the same providence, he ordereth them to fall out according to the nature of second causes, either necessarily, freely, or contingently. Well, here, the, the confession of faith is getting into this age-old debate of whether or not we are free beings. And, and if you get into philosophy, if you went to college, you discussed this at some point. Undoubtedly, you stayed up late into the night talking about free will and fate or providence, depending on if you were coming from a secular or a Christian theistic point of view. And that's really what the confession of faith is diving into here. It is an age-old debate. It is something that, that has been talked about, and, and gallons and gallons and gallons of ink have been spilt over the years trying to sort these things out. The confession of faith offers an answer, but it's not an answer that perfectly nails down everything because everything in this grand philosophical and this grand theological topic of how the, the will of man and the will of God relate can't actually be nailed down. There is some mystery there. But the confession gives us categories and actually gives us some help in understanding why this is an ongoing debate and why it is so difficult to process what exactly is going on. Notice what this paragraph says, if we just consider it in kind of two big sweeping actions. It says, first, that all things come to pass according to God, the first cause. Yet, he uses second causes. In other words, this paragraph explains two things to us. It explains the fact that God is absolutely sovereign, has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. But it also explains to us that he has not just foreordained or decreed the end, but he has also decreed the means. And the means that he has decreed include the use of what the confession and what philosophers talk about as second causes. 
This is why it appears to us, rightly, that there is some freedom for us. And indeed, there is. But this doesn't actually somehow, in the mystery of all things, undermine God's sovereignty. Because it is by these second causes that he has ordained everything to happen. If we go back a couple chapters to chapter 3 of the Confession of Faith, the very first paragraph, we read this. God, from all eternity, did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so, as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. See, the confession is consistent on this point. God is the sovereign. He is the one who has decreed whatsoever comes to pass. And as we read here in paragraph 5, uh, chapter 5, paragraph 1, in relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, the first cause, in other words, in relation to what we've already said in chapter 3, all things come to pass immutably and infallibly. God's will, what he has ordained, cannot be undone. What he has decreed will most definitely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, it will come to pass. And it will come to pass without being changed, immutably, and it will come to pass without failing, infallibly. In other words, what God has decreed, what we've already talked about in, in paragraph 3, what God has decreed will come to pass. And he has ordained whatsoever comes to pass. In, in other words, when we look at creation, when we look at the world, when we look at the universe, when we look at everything in existence, it exists and, and the events that take place take place because God has so decreed it. Yet, chapter 5, paragraph 1 says, by the same providence, in other words, through the same care, through the same foreordination, through the same governance, God orders all of these things to fall out, all of these things that he has ordained, whatsoever comes to pass, he orders them to fall out according to the nature of second causes. In other words, we say there is light because the sun shines. God has ordained that there be light. He has ordained that there be day and night, but he has arranged that to happen by the sun, this star in the sky that is situated just so in relation to earth. He has ordained that there be light by the sun shining. That's a second cause. He, he has ordained these second causes. This is how he has ordered all things to come about. This is why when we look at our lives, it feels like there is causes other than God. And indeed, the confession affirms that there are. It, it feels like that we have choices that we can make, and the confession affirms that, indeed, there are. If I don't eat, I'm going to be hungry. If I eat, I'm going to be full and satisfied and have energy. If I don't sleep, I'm going to get tired and cranky. If I sleep, 
I'm going to be rested. If I do the work God has given me to do, I'll keep my job. If I fail to do the work God has given me to do, I'll get fired. If I study for a test and understand the material and have learned the material, I'll pass the test. If I don't, I'll fail the test. All of these are, are second causes. This is why when we look at our life, it feels like well, we, we're free. And indeed, at some level, we are. Because God has ordained the world to work according to these second causes. Now, the question we immediately run to is, well, how can there be second causes if he is the first cause? And, he, and that's when we start getting into these speculative, philosophical, theological weeds that have plagued philosophers and theologians for centuries on end. And frankly, we can't give an answer to that. And, and it's not just that we can't give an answer to that because of the particular way we formulate things theologically based on Scripture. No philosopher has ever given a satisfactory answer to how all of this works. It's why it's still a debate in philosophy. It's why we still stay up late into the night when we're concerned about these things, talking through fate and free will or providence and free will, again, depending on the perspective from which we come at these questions. The Confession then outlines three types of second causes, necessary causes, free causes, and contingent causes. Here, the Confession is getting into some philosophical categories, recognizing that that some things happen necessarily. The sun shines, light comes. There, there's a necessary cause there. Some things happen freely. You have, you have choices that you make, and, and if you make this, then that's going to happen. Other things happen contingently. We see this in examples, you know, in, in Scripture, for instance, uh, with the, the prophet Micaiah, who, you know, comes to Ahab and, and says, look, you're going to die, and, and basically you can understand me if, and, and the veracity of what I'm saying if if you die, then what I said is true. Now, of course, he would have no understanding of that at that point. It would be a little bit late. If you don't, then what I said is false. There's contingency there. And we see all of these different kinds of causation in Scripture, just as we see them in life. The point that the confession is wanting to make here is that none of these second causes exist out from under the immutable and infallible decree of God the first cause. The confession isn't concerned to give us a, a, a full answer as to how all of this works together. It's the, the Westminster divines were smarter than to try and do that. But it does want us to understand that God is perfectly sovereign. He has decreed whatsoever comes to pass. And part of his decree is that things work according to second causes. So it does matter what we do. Our lives do matter. Our work does matter. Now, we hold those things together in tension by faith, trusting both that God's will will most certainly be done and that I am responsible as I live with the reality of these second causes. We'll continue to push into this as we look at more on the chapter of providence. What we must understand from this is that we can trust God and that he has called us to work and to do that which is right. 
Might we do that resting in Jesus Christ, understanding that our actions do matter, that our lives do matter, that we're not just robots, but finding comfort knowing that God's will will most certainly be done. Thank you.